My name is August McLaughlin, and I've been contemplating girl boners for years. It's time for Girl Boner Radio with August McLaughlin, a spicy blend of personal stories, in-depth reporting, and inspiration. Girl Boner is where good girls go for sexual empowerment. Listen in as August McLaughlin, award-winning health and sexuality writer, explores female sexual pleasure like no one else. She's the big sister slash girlfriend you've always wanted, and she loves to talk sex. Only on Global Voice Broadcasting. Senator Bernie Sanders. My name is Ginger Banks, and I am a lot of things. I am a daughter. I am a sister. I was a huge supporter of yours during the primary election, and I'm a sex worker. No matter what your political beliefs are, I think we can all agree on this. Human beings deserve respect. And I know I have listeners with conservative views, liberal views, and everywhere in between. You are all so welcome here. I also happen to know this about you. Chances are you have an incredibly big and thoughtful heart. You want to know more about issues that matter, which can be really confusing to sort out when we are inundated with headlines. Welcome back to Girl Boner Radio, everyone. I'm your host, August McLaughlin, and I'm so grateful that you're listening. Today, we're going to talk about SESTA and FOSFA, a set of controversial bills put forth by Trump that have been promoted as a way to minimize sex trafficking. If you're listening later, and this is old news, and maybe those bills are completely irrelevant, and a whole bunch of things are irrelevant, I just had like a glimpse of heaven just there, I have a feeling you'll still gain a lot from this episode, thanks to my spectacular guest, Ginger Banks. We're also going to explore her personal journey a bit, sex work as a whole, and weigh in for a listener who was bullied for her appearance most of her youth and wants to get out there and start dating. This episode is brought to us in part by The Pleasure Chest. It's my favorite place for toys, free sex educational workshops, and more. Visit thepleasurechest.com or click the ad on my website. While you're on my site, be sure to sign up for Girl Boner Extra as I send updates about once a month. You can also pre-order my Girl Boner book now. It's on Amazon, it's on Barnes & Noble, and it releases August 7th. Thank you so much for joining me, Ginger. Thank you for having me. So tell me what your childhood sex education was like? Uh, My parents didn't really teach me anything. You know, anything I learned about sex, I found out about it from my friends. They really tried to keep me a virgin until I was married. And I, I think I've always known ever since I started to experiment with myself sexually that I am a sexual person and it is something that I enjoy. I'm, I feel very lucky to have been someone who has experienced masturbation in their life because that definitely promotes a lot of self-love and it, it teaches you what you want with yourself. So it's important. I wish, I wish I had taught a lot of things growing up about sex that I wasn't. And those are the things that I try and talk about on my social media and just start a dialogue about. What was the first positive thing you learned about sex? Do you remember? Because I feel like we all learned some scary things at first. Like, like you said, don't do it until you're married or just don't do it or you might die. Um, the first positive thing that I learned about sex was maybe how much fun it you can have doing it. I mean, especially if you're doing it with someone when you're both ready and you know that this is what we want to do. It can be such a beautiful experience. And did you learn that through experience or did you have a clue before you were like, I think this is going to be good. I definitely wanted to have sex way before I ever got to experience it. But because of all of the slut shaming and the stigma attached with a woman being open with herself sexually, I definitely repressed that for a while. And 
I also might have been, you know, trying to get attention from men earlier on in my life, not for the best reasons. And that's been something that's been awesome that camming is kind of like a mirror or a reflection on my actions. I am able, if I want to take the time to try and reflect on the person I used to be and maybe, you know, why I did some of the things I did. And it's awesome to grow up. (laughs) So was camming the first thing that you did as a sex worker? Uh, yes, it was. I mean, I I used to send nude pictures all the time, obviously. But once I finally got my own webcam in college, I started to realize, wow, there's some like money in this. Like if I can get this much attention from people and they want to see more. And I, you're I, having fun. And I'm having fun and I'm already doing it for free. It kind of just seemed like it made sense. Like this is this should be the next step. And so I signed up on a few websites and I've been doing it for the past eight years and I love it. So you did this incredible video. We heard a little clip from the beginning of this episode where you reveal the humanity of sex workers and you talk about these bills that I find very confusing to read about. Could you start by just sharing, in a nutshell, what do these bills mean? Um, SESTA and FOSTA were just written into law last month, and what it does is it vastly expands the liability that websites are subject to in regards to sex trafficking. For instance, if some sex trafficking happened in a Walmart parking lot, it's like holding the Walmart owner accountable for what's happening. It also makes it a new federal crime to facilitate or promote prostitution of any kind. And this includes a lot of lists or harm reduction services that sex workers use. Now these websites are going to their lawyers. They're saying, are we going to be liable under these laws? Because not only sex trafficking victims can file charges, but any state's attorney general can. And once that happens, that company has to prove their innocence in court. And so that's going to cost them they don't even know how many millions of dollars. So they just say, we're just going to get rid of all of this information instead of putting ourselves at risk because these laws don't give the businesses or these companies any sort of guidelines on how they need to be compliant with this law. So FOSTA stands for Fight Online Sex Trafficking Act. And SESTA stands for Stop Enabling Sex Traffickers Act, which is really interesting because sex trafficking, you mentioned prostitution. Mm-hmm. Sex trafficking and sex work are not the same thing, but I don't think a lot of people realize that. And when people hear, they think that, as I learned when I was growing up, if somebody is being paid for sex, they were they're being abused and they were forced into it. Could you speak to the difference? I, I definitely felt the exact same way. Before I went to my first strip club, I thought every single girl was going to have a pimp with her and she was going to be using drugs. And I went to my first strip club and I was like, wow, these girls are really happy and they are providing us with a great environment to have a good time in. And that was my first realization that it wasn't we're not all victims of trafficking. And I've I've experienced my own family members assuming that there was someone forcing me to be a webcam model because I think, you know, society says a sexual woman has to be this, 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 and this. And when you see your smart, intelligent, strong-willed daughter going into it, you it you have to convince yourself someone else is forcing her to do it, which is just not the case. And adding the stigma to it, all it does is enable and help abusers. It has nothing, it helps nothing for the victims. It doesn't do anything for them. So you use a pseudonym, I know. Yes. And you are able to speak about what you do, but you knew from the beginning that you had to protect your identity. Why is that? 
sex workers are at a higher risk of violence due to the stigmatization and criminalization. I could have any number of organizations who want to discriminate against me because I am even a cam model. There are banks that have shut down sex workers' accounts and their Airbnb, for instance, they can shut down a sex worker's account if she's on vacation. I know plenty of webcam models who have about to have been planning a trip. They had their Airbnbs booked and then that got canceled. And, you know, Airbnb is like the cheapest option now. So they had to cancel their entire trip because they couldn't afford to, you know, book a hotel last minute in that city. And that's the type of stuff that's not okay. I mean, people are still having sex in your Airbnbs, right? I mean, that's what I was thinking when I was laying in bed having sex with my boyfriend in an Airbnb. What is the difference if I turn on the camera? What is the difference if he gives me money afterwards? So that's what I want people to question the status quo, question the way that we've been taught to think about sex work because conflating legal consensual adult sex work with sex trafficking does not help anyone. So there are people, obviously, too many people who are sex trafficked in Los Angeles. I interviewed Tika Thornton, who is an incredible human being who is trafficked here in L.A. People around the world are trafficked, all genders, all ages, especially kids and young people. And obviously, if people are paying for sex, there's a chance they might end up meeting some person who's really unethical, as could happen with any business, by the way, acting or modeling. I mean, I, I worked in the fashion industry for a long time, and I, I knew people who, you know, you think you're you're going about things the right way, and you run into a shark. It happens exactly. in all facets of life. Um, but I feel like as a sex worker, you're in a special position where you might actually be able to help a person. Have you ever noticed or become aware that there were people who are being trafficked in some of the spaces you have been. I actually heard about a webcam model recently whose boyfriend was forcing her to cam and to make clips and content like that. So I think it's important to acknowledge that the image that the mainstream media puts out about sex trafficking is not what the reality is. It isn't some mafia out there who's taking tens tens of dozens of girls and putting them into a shipping container and forcing them to work. It happens to be a little bit more complicated than that. It's usually a family member or something like that. And when someone has an economic hardship, that seems to be how they are taken advantage of. And so we need to figure out what the root causes of trafficking are and help combat those because abolishing sex work is never going to get rid of sex trafficking. Do you feel like you could help people because of the fact that you are working in in a sexual business. I feel like if if sex workers are not able to run their businesses, we might be limiting a lifeline to potentially somebody. Like if you met somebody who was webcamming and they were forced to do it, they'd probably be more likely to talk to somebody who webcams than to totally. like go to their teacher. Yeah, if we bring in sex workers as allies in the fight against sex trafficking, we can do so much more together than if you keep pushing us to the side and criminalizing us. Decriminalization of sex work is so important for so many different reasons, and it will in the end help stop sex trafficking or at least reduce it. I don't, I, I wish I could imagine a perfect world where it didn't exist, but all we can do is reduce it as much as we can. Yeah, it's really true. It's really true. Why did you want to make your video to Bernie Sanders? I never felt inspired by any other politician the way I've felt inspired by Bernie Sanders. I've seen pictures of him, you know, this part of the civil rights protest growing up. And so I think he's someone who listens to an issue 
and comes to his conclusion based on what he thinks is right, <clears throat> not what is going to get him the most political support. And that's really important to me. And that's why I reached out to him, because I thought that if he got to see that we are all just humans, that is what I want everyone to see, is that sex workers come from a wide variety of backgrounds. I don't want ever to say something like, we're not all drug addicted, because some people have addictions. I am a recovering alcoholic, and I don't want people to feel like I'm trying to speak for a different group of people. I'm trying to speak for all sex workers, and we come from a huge variety of backgrounds. That's the beauty of it. We are all just humans, and we're just trying to provide for ourselves and for our families. One thing I love about your video is you share the voices of numerous friends of yours who are sex workers, and they all have very different lives, and one is skateboarding, several have pets. They're talking about all the different roles they play in their lives. Would you share a little bit about a few of your friends? One in particular that really moved me was Jamie French. Oh, my gosh. Her video was amazing. It, all of those videos just speak to a person's heart because we're told so many times, and we see so many dehumanizing stories about sex work that when you see that we're just regular people, it kind of pulls at your heartstrings and makes you realize maybe I was discriminating against this group of people. You know, I grew up my whole life hearing jokes and negative things said about strippers and hookers and, you know, all of that. And if you maybe have a friend who's secretly, you know, stripped for of summer, how do you think those comments make them feel? And so I just want people to realize that there's nothing, that there's, they shouldn't be ashamed for making people happy and bringing joy into people's lives. And once you realize that that is what we do, we make people happy. We are a pressure release, like get away from the real world for a little bit. And that's something that we can provide for people. And it bothers me when people say like, oh, you just do it for the money. No, I get to know these people. These are my friends. <laughs> I care about them. I care about their health. I care about all of the things that a friend would care about. And mm. that's so beautiful. And I, it, sex work can help so many people that, you know, could potentially never get to experience the joys of sex if it wasn't for sex work. And there's nothing shameful about that either. Yeah, yeah. I love that several people in your video brought up points like, uh, I am more than a job title. And I thought, man, think of all the different jobs that people have. Like Im anyone listening, imagine the job that you had that maybe you loved the most or really wanted to, to do. Imagine if people were bullying you for that and speaking as though you're not human that's just it's it's inhumane yeah and it, it does hurt you um when you have to lie about your job and you have to do all of that and deep down you know that there's nothing wrong with what you're doing it hurts it feels like you i mean you are in the closet in a way you have to hide this part of who you are from your friends and your family and i encourage as many sex workers as possible to try and become a part of a sex worker community because once you finally get to talk to people about your job, they understand where you're coming from. We don't shame you for what you do. That is so important. And I would love to say go see a therapist, but unfortunately, a lot of therapists are part of greater society. And unless you go to someone who is specifically sex positive, it can be hard because I know in my personal experience, they were always trying to get me out of my job, which is not what I, I, I genuinely wanted to go there and talk about you know, the way that people were making me feel. And then my therapist would do the same thing. Oh, it's so hard. That, is, that makes my heart break. I mean, <laughs> I, 
I would never compare my life experience to, to yours or to any sex workers, but I know I have been to see therapists who perpetuated like their own worldview of was affecting, totally. you know, and made things so much harder for me. Cause you go in and you're like, Oh my gosh, this is so hard. And they're like, you're terrible. Yeah, <laughs> you know exactly. I mean? That, they're not trying to say it that way, but they're like trying to rescue you from something that you're not, you don't want rescued from. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's crazy. Yeah. It's yeah. Crazy. I, I do think a lot of sex workers end up taking on that role of therapist because you know, what is therapy besides like kind of getting an opinion or just being able to open up to someone? And uh, so many sex workers are sex positive. And in my experience, I see so many guys being like, would you care if your boyfriend wanted to suck a dick? And I'd be like, no, I don't. I don't care. Like, you know, and they keep asking closer and closer. I'm like, you know, I really don't think there's anything wrong with you being attracted to me and being attracted to your same sex. And that can just be so freeing to them because they've never heard that in society at all. Like, it's okay to be a bisexual man like that, that in itself. So I think it starts with sex. Sex work is, you know, it is one avenue of how we are discriminated against. But if you are just a sexual woman, that can be used against you. Someone can get your new photo and ruin your life with it which is in this day and age i'm pretty sure a majority of my generation at least has taken a nude photo oh yeah (laughs) yeah totally and and that it can be used as a weapon is like really the stigma when we stigmatize sex and sex work you are giving power to abusers you are there have been numerous stories that i've read about people who have gotten nude photos from a young influential person and then they've used that as blackmail against them it happens way too often yeah yeah i love what you said about sex workers being therapists in a way or providing that empathy because i feel like when you are in that intimate space with someone i've heard from so many of my sex worker friends that they they have this vulnerable space with a person and where do we grow but when we're vulnerable people come to you with your fears and then also the fact that you have to deal with stigmas and shaming i actually chose the question from my batch for today because i thought you might have some really interesting perspective because this person is not a sex worker but i think so many of us can relate to being shamed so here is the question it comes from terry terry wrote this I was bullied almost my entire childhood for my appearance and I'm really effing sick of worrying about my looks and letting other people's opinions get in my way. My friends want to set me up with someone and I'm terrified. I'm 25 and literally have never dated. I masturbate but have never had sex. So there's that complication too. I guess my question is, how do you not let insecurity and fear take over? Thank you so much for this question, Terry. Here's what Dr. Megan Fleming of Great Life, Great Sex had to say. Terry, I'm so glad that you reached out and I'm actually thrilled to hear that you are no longer uh, allowing yourself to sort of be a victim and uh, to sort of unwanted, unsolicited comments from these bullies that you're really empowering yourself to realize and take ownership of who you are and the beauty of who you are exactly as you look. Um, And so, you know, I get that when you start to date and taking advantage of this opportunity of your friend um, introducing to someone that in a very normative way, there's going to be anxiety because, you know, you've never done it before. We're stepping into the unknown and the unknown is where the growth is um, and where in time you will feel relaxed, but it's going to take exposure and experiential learning and repetition. Um, 
so I think, again, it's just like, I often sort of say, you know, it's putting a toe in the water, not jumping to the deep end. You know, a first date might feel like a deep end, but the most important thing to know is like nothing needs to happen. You know, we don't have chemistry with everyone and you may or may not, um, with this guy that you're getting set up with. And so, you know, don't, you know, be attached to the outcome and don't roll the camera forward. Just allow yourself to just be present and in the moment and engaged and just sort of seeing from there what emerges, right? What, what intuitively and organic feels like is coming up for you. And the other thing that's really awesome here is you already know what gives you pleasure. I actually had a session earlier with a client who he's been with his girlfriend for a year and she asked, you know, so what are your turn-ons? And you know what? He doesn't really know because he also has, most of his life has been through masturbation, not in relationships. And so other than, you know, more traditional sexual positions, he's not sort of head to toe, sort of explored erotically in his body, you know, where are his turn-ons? And so, you know, when and in time and with the right person, person and when you choose, know that, you know, being with someone is its own intimate discovery. Um, and there's something really exciting about that. And uh, a term that a client of mine phrase that I've been using a lot lately is excite terrified, you know, for the date, for your first kiss, for any of these experiences, I'm willing to bet they're going to be excitement feelings and feelings of anxiety and being terrified right alongside each other. Um, but that again, in this context is completely normal. So sort of embrace the excite terrified and take this big step. I can tell you your 26 and 30 year old self or definitely, you know, any older part of you is it, fully cheerleading for you right now in this moment that you are, as I said, um, empowering yourself to take your power back and to own your sexy, right? And own um, what you have to offer in a relationship. So, you know, I'm really thrilled. And, oh, I guess the part I just want to say here, you know, in terms of process, like there's no around it, you have to go through. So I wish I had ways that you didn't have to have the experience, but the experience is what's going to teach you. And like I said, you know, a lot of people complain about dating, but I think it's an opportunity. Think of each date as an opportunity to see like, and is this somebody who really brings out the best in me or who makes me want to be a better woman? Um, Really sort of seeing sort of the fun and the intrigue and the excitement and the possibilities of that. Because, you know, ideally when we find that right partner and we're in relationship, um, we we just feel so much more our, our best of selves. So I'm really, um, as I said, excited and can't wait to hear how this goes. And I know I always say that, but I really want you to check in. <laughs> Let me know how this first date goes. And even when if it's not a match or a fit, do not catastrophize that. Um, that's very normative as well. But just, again, get on a dating apps and put yourself out there and tell friends that you're, you know, you're single, you're interested and you're looking. Really create an opportunity. I sort of like, it's increasing your sample size. You know, it's like, this is your first, but it's the first of many. So when and if it's not ideal or optimal or it doesn't feel like a good fit, so what? On to the next one. And, you know, and in time and with enough dates and you're absolutely going to find those uh, those men that you're attracted to, um, and potentially women. So, because um, you didn't say here if your friends attracted if you're attracted to men or women. So, overall, this is an opportunity to sort of explore yourself and what are your own particular turn-ons. Definitely do. Please check in. Thank you so much, Dr. Megan. I love what she said about 
the unknown being where the growth is and that it's natural to have some nerves. Ginger, what would you say to Terry? Uh, anything new is super scary, you know, anytime I go to a new city, anything like that. So I think practice makes perfect, honestly. And I can see, I can imagine a world where sex work is more accepted and you could potentially go and become less nervous on interacting with someone else that wasn't a sex worker. You hire a sex worker, you get to experience them. Maybe they teach you things that you didn't necessarily know. I know personally, if you didn't lose your virginity in high school, it would be so hard. You'd have to be like making an effort every day going out there to try and find someone. And I personally don't think there's anything wrong if you don't get a massage out in the world for free. There's nothing wrong if you can't get sex out in the world for free. You know, if you want to pay for that pleasure, Go ahead and you do that. <laughs> what a great form of sex education. I hadn't thought about that until you were saying how it, it can be a form of training for people to try things out. My friend Mona Darling is a, a, or was a dominatrix and now she teaches kink for curious girls. And so often she's, she's worked with people who come in and they have this like fetish they've never, they've only kept in their heads, this fantasy or something that's become much more intense and they can't stop thinking about it. And to have a safe space to, to work through that and to like feel it out and try it out and all that stuff is so amazing. I never even thought of it like that. It's true. Like if you really do have some sort of a fetish that you know, someone in the general public might not be as open to doing. Like, how else would you get to experience that without a sex worker? You would literally have to find like a life partner and then slowly open up to them. And then maybe they would be open to it and maybe they wouldn't. Or you can just go hire a sex worker who's extremely open to this sexual fantasy, get to participate in it, realize there's nothing wrong with it. You, you guys are going to both come out of this experience happy. It's all about consensual, you know, fun sex happening between two adults. And that's what a majority of what sex work is. Imagine if you had a fetish that was you shared with your partner and your partner knew about it, but they had like a phobia around it or something. Like, like for example, I'm not real into feet. I mean, it wouldn't, I don't know. I, I don't know. I've never dealt with this. I haven't ever been with someone who's like, please make out with my feet or whatever. Um, but like, if I could not stomach that, yeah. I might rather somebody else help out. Like, I might be like, here, honey, here's See? a sex worker number. Let's that find is, one together and oh I'll find, God. I'll find one too. And that then we'll such trade a, stories that's or such do a it together. Full, like, <laughs> world that you're describing right now it fills my heart with hope to hear you say that because I feel the same way. Like, there are just some times when your partner might not want to do it with you. They might not like that specific thing. I know yesterday I was in a show where the guy said he had never gotten a BJ from his wife. So, I mean, come on. It's, it would be, a totally different fun world to imagine sex work being socially accepted. Mm -hmm. And I, I do imagine it and I do have hope for the future because I, I see that sex is so natural. It's such a part of us. Yeah. And the more we get rid of that shame and that stigma, the better the world is going to be. I truly, truly believe that. Yeah. And I think there's an idea that if someone is seeing a sex worker, they are automatically cheating on someone. And which I think is another stigma. I mean, maybe, maybe they are, if that's, if that's a relationship agreement, they have like, we yeah. cannot see sex workers and then they do behind their back, anything unethical like that, yeah. whatever it is, it's not cool. Yeah. But I'm sure a lot of times it's people who either don't have a partner, don't have access to somebody, haven't been able to meet one, haven't mm -hmm. had any experience or, or it's a couple who wants to learn. Like, can you teach us how to, how to do BJs? Because yeah. we've never done it before. It, it, it. 
the future of sex work is going to be a beautiful place. I really, I do think so. And the new generation, we're talking about things, we're questioning the status quo. Social media, you're not able to push us sex workers to the outskirts of society anymore. You can literally go on Twitter and look up hashtag let us survive, which is all of the sex workers responding to the SESTA and FOSTA laws and get their perspectives because Backpage was shut down before these laws were ever signed into effect. And so these laws had no point if the point was to actually stop sex trafficking, which was not what the owners of Backpage were charged with. They were charged with facilitating prostitution and money laundering. So that's unfortunate because there's history of the owners of that website working with law enforcement officials, working with the FBI when they do find instances of sex trafficking happening on their site and taking it offline, pushing it back to the si- the shadows is not going to help anyone. All you're doing is getting rid of the evidence, <clears throat> putting the power back in the hands of the pimps and other things like that. You're taking away the power from each individual sex worker and that's not what we want. So what are some of the actual effects that you have experienced from these bills and then maybe we can talk also about some of your friends and colleagues i personally cannot offer date raffles on my cam site anymore i used to do non-sexual date raffles and i would get thousands of dollars from that but because our website is now subject to the liability they decided to just ban all in-person meetings between cam uh cam people and models. So, I mean, I can do it now, but they just can't pay me through the site. I've heard of people who have been forced back to knocking on the doors of truck drivers when before they were able to go and do it online. So, I've heard of pimps like reaching out to girls who they haven't heard of in years because they know, like their abusers aren't stupid. They see that this these laws are giving them more power. And so they are going and trying to take advantage of people. Because if you can't put an ad out, because if you put an ad, then you have safety. You you have screen your clients. Yeah. But if you have to go and you meet them in person, you don't have that ability anymore. And when you're doing street-based work, you're more subject to criminalization and the stigmatization by society. And in turn, that results in the deaths of sex workers. There was a study put out by Baylor University that It's still being peer-reviewed, but they saw a drop, a 14% drop in homicide rates of females, and they could only attribute it to the opening of the Craigslist classified section. They couldn't find anything else that had happened because female sex workers do make up such a large percentage of the homicides that happen, unfortunately. And now those ads are gone. And now that ads are gone. And so sex workers are going to die. That's why I am so passionate about this. I live a privileged life, so I want to use that for as ma- and help as many people as I can because they can't speak out about this. Their lives will be ruined. They will have people that know that they can harass them now because they're sex workers. And I'm lucky to be out about my job. I'm lucky that people can't use the, that information against me to ruin my life. But there are people out there that aren't as lucky and taking away their safeguards doesn't help anyone. It doesn't help one single sex trafficking victim. It does not help one sex worker. And I wish there were more politicians that would take the time to listen to us because we are your constituents and they're not ever going to speak up to us, speak up for us until the general public also starts speaking up for us because we need allies outside of the industry. The more allies we have speaking up for us, the more comfortable politicians are going to finally feel to stand up and say, okay, this is wrong. So how can we, as the general public, as allies, speak up 
for sex workers and and support you all? I I think it starts with just, you know, conversation. Honestly, when you hear people say things about sex workers, try and politely correct them if you can. Give them resources to examine it on their own. That's what I like to do. I try not to tell people how to think. I try to say, this is me. This is how I think. This is where I got my information. Now you come to your own conclusion and your own opinion. And I think when a lot of people do that, they see that there's no reason that the government should be stepping into your bedroom and telling you what you should do. There's no reason that sex work shouldn't be decriminalized if prostitution or pornography is legal, you know, sex work and pornography, they're, they're so similar, you know, just because you add a camera or an exchange of money, it doesn't make the sex that you're having any more immoral. It's so interesting to me because I feel like when we're as a society much more comfortable with fantasizing about sex in general, like if if there is a sexy story you know, if Shades of Grey comes out or if, um, you know, when I was trying to sell my Girl Boner book proposal, originally there were so many people, publishing professionals who were like, we love this idea, but I feel like a prude. I can't represent it. And they're publishing like this really graphic sexual stuff, but it's fiction. And I feel like it's so interesting because porn is sex work. Yeah. You're working, you're getting paid, you're having sex. Yeah. But if it's a true story... Somehow that makes it different. Yeah, that that is such an interesting point. Like we accept the fantasy, but not the reality of a sexual woman. So I think we just need to embrace the fact that it is real. You know, women do like sex and, you know, so many good things will come from embracing that. You know, it's hard being told that there's something wrong with you because you're sexual as a woman. That is how I felt, you know, most of my life growing up. And it wasn't until I found sex work and the community surrounding it that I finally, I've truly finally found like my place in life. Mm -hmm. You know, when I'm at these expos and stuff like that, no one's shaming you for being sexual. And that's such a beautiful thing. It's the most open-minded, loving community. I feel like all the sex positive spaces and, you know, you will occasionally have somebody, no matter what the community, that's maybe not, but for the most part, percentage wise, like when I went to general writers conferences, I felt like consent was broken. People would be inappropriate. Like they would do all these things. And I go to these other places with all these sex positive people where there are a lot of sex workers, educators, and they're like, would you like a hug or would you prefer a handshake? Right. That's such just like a simple thing that you wouldn't ever consider. But consent is so important in sex work. And I try to integrate that into my videos as much as possible because you don't realize that on porn sets, the consent happens off camera. And so what happens, the general public assumes, oh, I don't need to consent. Because unfortunately, a lot of the general public does get their sexual education from pornography, whether we like it or not, the lack of sexual education in the United States, like education system, it falls on us. People will so, go somewhere. And yeah, now I realize yeah. that I do feel an immense amount of responsibility. So, that you mm-hmm. know, can I do this? Can I do that? Yes. No. In the heat of the moment, that's a great teaching opportunity for sex workers and to show the general public how consent works. That's so powerful. And I love that you're accepting that responsibility and saying, you know, I can actually use this as a, as a platform to educate people. I have to ask you about Twitter because you mentioned the hashtag let us survive. I'm going to check that out. I've noticed, and I forgot what it's called, but sex workers often will have, you can't find their profile. Shadow banned. Yeah, that's what it's called. Um, I think when Twitter started out, it was meant for an older audience. And the past couple years, we've started to see uh, a lot of younger kids get on there. I remember hearing this one parent talking about how her 
students got their information like on Twitter. Like she put out all of their information on Twitter for her classroom. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, so there's little kids on the same website that all my porn is on. And so I understand the legality why it is that way, the way it is, because they have they have to try and make sure that no child sees like porn, basically. <laughs> Which is so funny because, I mean, not funny, <laughs> but whenever a parent, and I, I do have sympathy and compassion and empathy and all that stuff, even though I'm not a parent, so I can't speak from that point of view. But when people say to me, I'm afraid my child's going to see porn, most of the time they have already. Yeah, I mean, they probably already have. Yeah. And I mean... That's something that they're trying out right now in the UK is like identity verification software You where you have to submit your ID if you want to buy a knife or you want to do anything online where you have to be 18. You basically have to prove you're an adult before you can use those websites. You don't have to just like click a button. And I can, I can see that coming to the US. I don't think that porn should be free and accessible for children to view. I mean, if, if alcohol is put behind this, if marijuana is, porn should be too. And unfortunately, that is a huge negative negative side effect of tube sites. I mean, there are a ton of huge negative side effects of those. So, you know, legislation is probably coming. They're probably not. (laughs) They probably, it will be harder to view porn in the future for a younger kid. And that's probably good. And also having the conversation or working it into sex education would be amazing. I feel like that's so far in the future, but maybe not. It it, kind of goes back and forth now. Like, I feel like we're much more open to it, but then our administration, there's so many issues with like, oh, let's just go back to abstinence only or no sex education. And not all states are even required to teach sex education, but it would be so amazing to have even a small little unit, a few sentences about you might see something online. Like it's a fantasy. It's not a reality. You need to realize that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, movies are fantasy. Porn movies are fantasy too. You know, it's a performance art. It's not real sex that people are having by themselves. And it's just important. You can watch it. You can enjoy it. But just remember it's it's a fantasy. And it's made for the camera. So it's different. It's like I always think of when people say, uh, you know, that they think that they should imitate porn or, or somebody was trying to. I always think of cooking shows. Have you ever seen like Five seconds after they're talking about the food, it comes out in this like, yes, perfect thing. Perfect. And it's like, no, if you actually made that, your entire room would be a mess. You might have hurt yourself. Like, don't try some of those porn positions and things. And maybe they use special effects and they need to always face the camera. Like, if you're always trying to face the camera when you're just trying to connect with a partner, you know, there's a missing conversation. There. Yes, it is a performance art piece. Once I finally heard that, I was like, that is the perfect description for what I'm doing because I'm still having fun, you know, all of that. But I am turning my face to the camera. I'm opening up my body to the camera where if the camera wasn't there, my body would be completely pressed up against the person I was with, you know, and you wouldn't be able to see my face or anything. You so. know, it would be so funny. I don't know if anyone's done this, but to do a video where you are like with a partner trying to pretend it's, you know, like trying to imitate the porn or have two non-porn actors imitate you. Like while the cameras aren't there and see like how weird it would be like voyeur style. Like honestly though, sometimes I, when I'm doing the scene, I think, how would this be like in my own home? Like I would be shocked if somebody tried to like pile drive me like in the privacy of my own home or like, it's like Pilates almost a lot of the time you're in these uncomfortable positions, so uncomfortable, but your face is like so happy (laughs) obviously you're not going to show that at all it's just like charlie horse (laughs) no in the real world you would stop and you would get in another comfortable position you know so when you are having sex in your own private life in what ways does it feel completely different besides the non-pilates moves um i 
think that when the camera's there, unless you are an exhibitionist, it's going to take something away from what you would do by yourself. I love having people watch me when I have sex. So that's different. But I, I thought about that a lot. Like you might be really good in the bedroom by yourself, but as soon as a camera comes around, you're like distracted. You're, you're not doing everything you would normally do. So that's interesting to think about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. If, if you're turned on by people watching, then it would be a turn be good, on, but if, right? But if it's not, then it's just always going to be a distraction. I yeah. think it's always going to take away from it. Because you have another way. relationship. Like there's a relationship with the camera. There's a relationship with the person. There's all these different things going on. Yeah. yeah. That's why some of the best um, porn that I've heard about people that they love is just a genuine connection with the person. Mm-hmm. I've been asking my followers, you know, what do you not see enough in porn? And I've seen a lot of responses that are like, bisexual men together with a woman and then also chemistry between the people Mm -hmm. in the film so i think you know it takes it it does get lost in the set it does get lost in the production if it's just you know if you're trying to capture that chemistry in that yeah it will be lost in all of the mess sure do you consider yourself an actress i personally have never um had a line or anything like that on my porn sets. I've only been on three porn sets so far and they were all kind of just like the camera would turn on and you would get to do your sex dance. I feel like it's a dance. Like the guys that I was with, they were mainstream professionals for the past how many years? Like it was a dance and they just know how to open you up. It's beautiful. Like you're still having so much fun and at the same time, just a little tap on the leg and you know exactly what they're trying to tell you to do. Like it it was so much fun learning from them a dance i like that it does seem to be very much as you said a performance for you you're performing and having this sexy sensual dance yeah yeah what's your favorite part of your work i love that i get to make people happy honestly It, it makes me happy knowing that people get to enjoy my work and what i do brings them pleasure that that makes me excited like I am an empath so when I see my making people happy and I I can feel that you know and so I feed off of that energy and it truly it it makes me so happy that I can follow someone back on Twitter and make their day like that is such a cool thing that not everybody gets to like have in their life and so like I said I feel an immense amount of responsibility I can be an extremely negative person always acting like that or I can be positive and I can potentially help change people's lives. That's why I try and talk about how I used to be the way I was and how I've changed because then I think that shows people that they can change if they want. You know, I used to be a huge slut shamer because I was sexual and I wasn't comfortable with myself. And to see someone else being comfortable with themselves sexually, that pissed me off because I wanted to be doing that, you know? Mm -hmm. So instead of questioning what was wrong, all I did was I said, well, they're wrong. They they're sluts, you know, and instead of questioning what's wrong, a lot of the time we just take on the behaviors of, you know, the abuser or whatever it is. Yeah, it's so true. So often it's, it's about insecurity. And so if, if I think if we find ourselves shaming somebody for whatever their sexual decisions or behaviors, whether it's maybe they prefer not to have sex or maybe they have yeah. sex. 10 times a day, or maybe they have many partners, you know, really asking yourself, like, wait a minute, why do I feel so uncomfortable? Like, what's what's happening right now? And and that's the thing, too, is like, you should have as much sex as you want, you know, as little or as much sex as you want. I personally love doing it a ton. But if you don't, there's nothing wrong with that either. You know, Mm -hmm. it's so beautiful that we are starting to come in an age where you can be yourself. Yeah. Because... 
That is so important. So many times we go through our lives saying, you need to be this way, you need to be this way. And I think I'm seeing it. Like, I don't know. It sounds like we're seeing it for the first time. And we're like, you can be yourself. If you're not hurting anyone else, dress up like a furry. Do it. You know, there's, if you're not hurting anybody, there's nothing wrong with what you're doing. Then screw anybody who tries to make you feel bad about that. Amen. Absolutely. True. Absolutely. Could you share without any revealing details, names and whatnot, of course, a experience that you had with a particular client that stands out as, as an empath yourself, like feeling that, that joy that they receive or that pleasure, or maybe a transformation that you were a part of. I remember doing a photo shoot with this guy one time and it wasn't, it wasn't even like we were supposed to be doing anything sexual. He just hired me to take pictures of me, but he knew me as Ginger Banks. You know, I'm very sex positive. So throughout the day, he kept asking me things, you know, at the beginning of the day, he was very wound up, very tight and asking me things. Would you care if your boyfriend was attracted to another man? Would you care about this? And slowly throughout the day, seeing him open up and, you know, sort of start to accept that there was nothing wrong with what he did and like smiling at the end and just that, that brings so much joy because you can see them becoming more comfortable with themselves. You can see they were holding on to the stigma. This guy was in his forties, fifties, who knows how long he's been, you know, maybe getting turned on when he sees a certain thing and he thinks there's something wrong with it. And then he finally hears from someone. It's okay. Mm. You know, that is such a, a relieving experience. And I can only imagine like with full service sex work, how you could get people to open up even more after you've had sex with them. You know, you are in a vulnerable position. It is crazy to think about that. Like sex therapists who have sex with their clients, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. hypothetically it's true though. It's like, like a surrogate sex Like partner. I always think, you know, yeah. what could I go back to school that would really help as many people as possible. And sometimes I do think psychology would be it because there are so many people who go on my Twitter and listen to what I think. I want to be as educated as possible about these things. Yeah. And we need therapists who are sex worker positive and sex positive. Totally. Yeah. You brought something to mind for me when you were sharing about this gentleman that the same way that we can shame other people when we're feeling shamed, I think so many people, I mean, countless people who are probably for these bills and, and are saying they're anti-sex worker have actually worked with a sex worker, have actually benefited. So true. And there's also shame um, against people who have relied on sex workers. And I just want to put it out there that sex workers are beautiful, valid human beings. People who hire sex workers are valid human exactly. beings. Exactly. Yeah. I hate that stigma of like, they're all weird creeps. They live in their mom's basement. They do this, they do that. No, they're just like, you know, sex workers. They come from a wide variety of backgrounds. People hire sex workers for totally different reasons. You might not have time. You might not have the ability to have the companionship of a woman without the company of a sex worker. And any guy who tries to make you feel bad about that or girl, you know, they're just parroting what they've heard from society their entire life. And when it comes down to it, would you rather you know, never get to experience that just because of the shame or potentially make some amazing new relationships in this world because there are so many amazing, smart, kind, compassionate sex workers out there. And just recently, I've been starting to follow so many more of them on social media and it's so beautiful. They, they're they all over the world, so many different backgrounds. They do so many different jobs. So many of them are teachers and they're afraid that they're going to lose their job because they work with kids. Like, 
teachers have sex, right? <laughs> so, oh my God, they do. <laughs> so, so why couldn't a teacher possibly be a sex worker unless someone is going to come in and try and ruin their career, right. you know? So it's, it's hard to see that happening. Parents have had their children taken away from them for being cam models and things like that. All the time that still happens. And a lot of the time, the person who's using it against them was totally fine with that money when it was coming in. But as soon as the woman wants to be independent and on her own, what do you think the, the first thing they're going to go to the judge with and say that they're an unfit mother? Mm-hmm. And that is not okay. Being a sex worker does not mean you're an unfit parent. That person probably was doing an amazing job of taking care of, of the kid. Yeah. That's so sad. It's so unfortunate. I'm so grateful for what you're doing and for your work. Please, will you share where we can find more about you and support what you're doing? You can follow me on Twitter at GingerBanks1. I love interacting with people on there. If you ever have any questions or anything, my messages are open. So you guys can send me whatever you want. Honestly, I love interacting with people. Awesome. And if you're enjoying Girl Boner Radio, I hope you'll subscribe if you haven't yet on iTunes. You can also follow us on Spotify. And while you're on iTunes, I hope you'll leave us a star review. It takes like seconds to click the stars and leave us a little written review if you'd like to support everything that's happening here. Thank you so much for listening and have a beautiful girl boner embracing you.